Hello, crime lovers, and welcome to Crime on Tap. I'm Megan, joined by my co-host, Sean. And welcome to our true crime podcast. Join us weekly as we drink our favorite cocktails and discuss gruesome murders, kidnappings, conspiracies, and more. Share the podcast with your friends, family, and heck, your grandma. Leave a review and make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Crime on Tap Pod. Tune in for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Whether you're driving to work or doing laundry, Crime on Tap will be sure to fulfill your true crime fix each week. And now, buckle up for this week's episode. Listen and enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Crime on Tap. <laughs> with your host Sean and my co-host Megan. <laughs> um, why am I the co-host and you're the host? Can we be oh. co-hosts? <laughs> okay, let me say that again. My name is Sean, <laughs> along with my co-host Megan. I feel like that's the same. <laughs> oh, well. I said Sean, and then I said my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Crime on Tap. We are so thankful and we really do appreciate all the support and love you give us on all these episodes we put out weekly. Follow us on all social media. We love to hear feedback. Um, We're on all the major ones. Spotify, Apple, the other ones. (laughs) The others. (laughs) The others. (laughs) So what's been going on with you? You settling in the city? Oh yeah, we're just about settled. Officially done moving about time it's been a journey this entire month moving so it's just nice to be able to come home and relax and i have to think about moving another damn box so (laughs) (laughs) happy to be fully moved still grinding away at work running my full-time business with megan along with me i couldn't do it without her um a little shout out a little shout out to megan my employee (laughs) (laughs) you know that's not a partnership yeah (laughs) but yeah it's just been like another easy peasy week wednesday on friday we're going camping with my parents and my brother and his fiance so that's something to like look forward to because i mean it's almost june and i haven't done nothing this entire year so far so that's something to look forward to (laughs) even though it's like we're literally paying to sleep on dirt but you know (laughs) It's the experience and the memories that come along with it. Mm-hmm. The things we do to get out of our house. Right? Right? <laughs> like we pay to sleep on dirt. I can't believe mm-hmm. I'm doing it. But yep, that's what's going on with me. What's going on with you? Well, I got two new kitties. Did They're we talk really... about that the last one? I don't think so. I don't think, I think you and I talked about it, but I don't think oh. I told our audience. Mm-hmm. They're not really kitties. They're one and a half sisters. They're women. They, yes, they're women. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes, they're grown women. They look nothing alike. Ellie is short hair, gray, and Layla is white and brown, long haired. Now, are they from the same litters or are they? Yeah, so they are from the same litter, but I did not know this. Cats in the same litter can have different dads. Oh my God. They can get pregnant more than once in the same litter? Like if they have intercourse, the mom has intercourse with one dad cat and then like two days later, another dad cat, it is possible for their sperm to fertilize. Oh my God. For eggs. Yeah. So I'm thinking. And I thought you were like the cat whisperer. I thought you knew that. Well, I do now. (laughs) So I'm thinking their mama was a little hoe because there's no way they got the same daddy. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's funny. Now, is it like they're two different colors, right? Yeah, completely different colors. Ellie's short hair. Well, Layla has beautiful, long, like model hair. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't come from a very good home. Mm-hmm. So they're trauma girls. So they are taking a long time to warm up. They're taking hiding the under the bed. Yeah, they're taking their time. But, you know, we're not pressuring them. We're giving them space. Mm-hmm. But also letting them know that they're safe now and that they have free reign of the apartment. So <laughs> that they run the place basically now. Yeah, once they catch on th- yeah. that they run the place, they're going to be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> now, I offered you a litter box, but you didn't take it. Well, we had one, we got ones with covers on them, but mm-hmm. the swinging Seriously, door. you need that cover. Like, you need to trap the stench in or else I know. It, it gets bad. So we had one where it was like not quite a dome but more of like a rectangle and then has a swinging door but yeah. because they're trauma girls they're afraid of the swinging door so <laughs> yep they're afraid of the swinging doors so <laughs> we are doing unlidded right now and hopefully once they're feeling more comfortable and not so mm-hmm. scared of cats they'll not be afraid of the door so we're doing no cover right now which okay. is a little nasty and not what I'm used to because my, my old girl was fine with a cover yeah well hey if you if you're still looking for a cat dome where my cat passed away in then it's available (laughs) yeah is is penny haunting it (laughs) yeah she probably still inhabits it it's on the porch (laughs) oh my god Alrighty, so Megan here on Crime on Tap, not only do we like to discuss true crimes, conspiracies, but we also like to have a little drinky drinky. So <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? It is, we always like to tell the people what time it is, just so it's not like a Saturday 8.30 and we're drinking coffee. <laughs> Which has happened. Which has happened, but it is a Wednesday at 8.30 at night. So Megan, what are you drinking tonight? Well, for those who have been following, I'm on a weight loss journey. Yes. So I'm drinking water because i'm still on my journey mm-hmm. i will say i did flub up last week had some sidecars what is that it's like a brandy thing that my <laughs> boyfriend's aunt made and oh my god you're like it, they were so deep. good i couldn't resist and then we had like this beautiful steak dinner and oh. and then my mom graduated with her master's degree mm-hmm. which huge deal and then we had pizza so i have to say last week was not the best week mm-hmm. but i'm back on track yeah. and you took a little deep tour but you're back yeah but i'm back i'm back in the saddle so we can still talk about the journey so what fun thing are you drinking sean well i guess i'm like on a journey too but like i'm on like a weight gain journey (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite journey honestly it's so easy (laughs) well i've had a planet fitness membership since the year 2019 and i've never gone and (laughs) My new coworker at work, she's like a workout queen. And so I have the black card at Planet Fitness, which I can bring a guest. So we have a Planet Fitness two minutes from where we work. So for about, a, it's been a week. We've gone every single day for a week. Well, except weekends. I'm not doing the weekends. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been running. I've been jogging my little booty off, lifting those weights, picking them up, putting them down. And, <laughs> you know, just trying to do something since I haven't worked out in like five years. So mm-hmm. I'm putting my membership to use mm-hmm. and not just paying money for nothing every single month so i'm on a little journey too i guess i'll keep you guys updated as well if anybody's interested in my weight gain journey <laughs> <laughs> 
But I mean, all my life I've been like scrawny and like skinny. So like I want to like put a little meat on these bones because like it's not cute when you're looking at my ribs from the side. I need a little meat. You need a little meat. I I have plenty to spare. I wish I could <laughs> give it to you. I mean, it's probably not the meat you're thinking of. You're probably thinking muscle. But yeah, I got a little chunk. So, but I think the chunk's good because then I can turn it into muscle. That's what mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah, right? I think like, that's how it works. Yeah, like you can't turn bone into muscle. So no. I need a little chunk to start with, which is good. I got a little COVID chunk. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The co- the COVID chunk is real. <laughs> yeah. So my journey, I'm drinking a little Pinot tonight. So I think that's acceptable. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty much water. Right. And I hear like for skinny guys to get big, you just got to eat, just eat food, basically anything, just consume mass amount of food protein steaks anything mm-hmm. so the wine's included in my opinion <laughs> yeah <laughs> On your, the wine is included in the journey yeah <laughs> but already megan so if you have nothing left to say how about we get right into the episode let's okay. do it <laughs> So, as you guys can see, this week's episode is a little bit similar to last week's. Well, JK, it's exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) But we just had a great response on last week's episode, so we decided to just continue with the series and to do another six conspiracies that turn true. And honestly, I really enjoyed this format last week. I really had no idea what you were going to talk about, what your conspiracies were, and it was fun. It was like I got to learn with everybody else that were listening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a lot of fun doing it. And we had also talked about kind of like bite-sized information can sometimes be more engaging than a whole Mm -hmm. hour long of just talking about one thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For like research purposes, like y'all, it ain't easy when you got 10,000 things going on during the week and then you got to research for two hours, like a deep dive of a podcast. It's a lot of work to put into it. So I think these more like quick stories or conspiracies or crime stories is more of a format we're going to be looking forward to in the future. Mm -hmm. And if you guys have any suggestions of these sort of lists or like bite-sized pieces, please let Mm -hmm. us know. We'd love to give you guys what you want and learn some stuff too. Of course. Yeah. So already, Megan. So I'm going to start it off this week. My first one deals with something that literally everybody right now is probably listening to this podcast on, which is your phone. And I'm sure a lot of people have already heard about this conspiracy, but if you haven't, I'm going to tell you all about it. So this one goes back to basically the evolution of the Apple iPhone. The conspiracy really came to light in 2017, where the conspiracy is basically based around that Apple was slowing down your iPhone as new models were coming out, basically encouraging their users to get the new phone because, oh, your old one's a piece of shit now, and it doesn't work as good as the new ones. And in 2017, there were lawsuits and investigations open into Apple and this conspiracy and Apple, I'm just going to put it out there, Apple confirmed that they did slow down phones of older models, but only for different reasons. And those reasons I thought were kind of bullshit. You know, like, <laughs> I for- firmly believe they were slowing down these phones to want us to buy the new ones. I mean, that really does make the obvious sense, right? But clearly Apple can't say that because then they look like fucking idiots, so. They're just trying to save face. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what, what other purpose would it be? I mean, all these corporations they're just about money, money, money. Yeah. Well, they were saying that they were purposely slowing down the phones because it would prolong the life of the device. And they were saying that some of the batteries would age, would get so old that they wouldn't be able to 
perform all the necessary like speeds and runnings of the new versions and new upgrades that were coming out in the new phones. So since the batteries in the devices would become less capable of supplying peak current demands as they age is a reason why they were saying they were slowing down the devices. Now this was all, well, not really confirmed, but it was really brought to light by, again, our favorite Reddit. A Reddit user posted showing data that their iPhone 6S was slowed down as it aged, but it significantly sped up again after the battery had been replaced, which I think he's referring to like a speed test or something. Like, you know, you can just Google like a speed test for like your internet usage or whatever. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. But I think he was using some kind of speed test for like the internals of the iPhone. I don't even know. He was kind of like just putting it out there, bringing it to light. Now, it kind of got a little bit more serious where this company, which I didn't even hear about this, but this company in France, which they call themselves a French watchdog, and they are a regulator of privacy, and they are a privacy fighter for like all things technology. Mm -hmm. So basically just trying to protect like in America, the First Amendment right, basically. And they sued Apple saying that installing a certain update could slow down the device was not posted anywhere for their consumers to be notified of this. Basically saying that there was no postings, no agreements, you know how like you can agree to like terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, saying that they were purposely doing this, even though they admitted that they were. And no one reads those anyway. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so basically they were committed of committing deceptive commercial practices and Apple had to pay a fine of 25 million euros for deliberately slowing down old phones without making it clear to consumers. That probably now, wasn't even a dent for them in their pocket. I know. <laughs> like 25 million euros, that's maybe like 30 million US. Mm-hmm. You know, to Apple, a billion dollar corporation that's nothing Mm -hmm. also to this day some models of the phones are still being slowed down but it's notified to the users if you're like into this stuff they have a whole chart that shows which iphone if you install this upgrade or this ios version then that phone's going to start being slowed down so at least they're posting it and notifying consumers but honestly still kind of fucked in my opinion (laughs) well and they're they're not doing it out of good faith they're only doing it because they got caught exactly like what if this never like came to light they would just continue doing it without letting people know mm-hmm. but I don't know I mean for on one hand it's like were they actually doing it because they cared about their consumers and were slowing down the phones in order to handle the new upgrades or was that a cop out to say oh your phone's dead and dying and it's a piece of shit so get the new one for a thousand dollars but it seemed like this guy who was testing it on reddit was just like yeah I put in a new battery and it worked fine so is that all that's needed is a new battery do you know how hard it is to change a battery <laughs> I, mean, I, I wouldn't even oh I my god even know where to start. like insane so that's why you just got to go to a specialist and pay like 150 for the battery and for the labor and the service because you don't know how to fucking do it so yeah that's all i kind of had on the iphone conspiracy it was pretty straightforward so i don't know if you had any comments on it well i was thinking about this i never turn my phone off yeah me neither so i feel like the batteries probably end up being <laughs> shit when literally it's it, yeah. I never turn it off. And then I never let it die. I let mine die sometimes. <laughs> oh. You're like, you could use a good break. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like counting the seconds for it to turn back on. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm telling you, I had like my iPhone 8 
for like like I don't know what generation it is now, but I've had the iPhone eight until like this year. So I don't know what kind of I don't even like I'm so used to like whatever slowed down version I'm using that mm-hmm. I I don't know what is better out there, you know. So it's like it doesn't bother me. Well, and maybe it's so subtle that like you don't even notice it really. Yeah, I would tell you sometimes. Yeah, maybe in the past some of the older models like you could really you could tell like it would start getting glitchy like the responsiveness on the phone screen wouldn't be as good Mm -hmm. as it would be before i think definitely like the iphone 5 like around (laughs) that time like then that shit was like getting a little slow and wonky but i don't know like now i don't really notice anything Mm -hmm. yeah i i still have the 8 and i feel like talking about it is jinxing it and it'll die tomorrow And yeah, and I have no urge to get the newest and greatest because literally it, the changes every year, they make a new phone are so minor that mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, an extra camera for how many photos I post on Instagram every year. Like <laughs> I haven't posted since like 2018. Why yeah. do I need, why do I need another lens? Mm-hmm. You need so, three actually. Don't they have three now? Yeah. It's like three. And then there's like some Samsung phones. We have four. I'm like <laughs> for it's... what? I have one phone, one camera and that's all I need Yep. <laughs> to take pictures of our animals. <laughs> Yes. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Mine is called Operation Snow White. I don't know why I said that like a super white girl, but it's Operation Snow White. (laughs) And just a little backstory for people that don't know what Scientology is. Oh my god. I'm like deep in Scientology. Like you practice it or you watch Leah Remini's? Well, we have an L. Ron Hubbard book around here somewhere. Oh my god. (laughs) Perfect segue because L. Ron Hubbard is... The founder of Scientology. Mm-hmm. And he was like a science fiction writer. And so he wrote like a science fiction book called Dianetics. And he pretty much just turned it into religion because when you turn things into religion, you get like tax breaks. Yep. Surprisingly, you make a lot of money. People worship you. So it was a good deal for him. Yep. <laughs> and it's like the this crazy, crazy story of like the alien Zunon or something like this. <laughs> And and Scientology also has a reputation of abusing, abusing its members, brainwashing, Mm -hmm. keeping people from their families. And it's serious. Yeah. There have been people that have like gone crazy from this because like there's this one where they used to be on a boat. It was, you know, where they would serve, they would learn. I think it was called like C camp or something. C corps. Yeah, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they were just treated terribly. They had terrible living conditions and and then all of this stuff. So it's a huge, huge thing. It's a lot. If you don't know anything about Scientology, go to Netflix and watch Leah Remedy's Scientology documentary. You will learn everything you need to know. (laughs) I was just going to say that. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And also Tom Cruise, John Travolta, Elizabeth Moss. Those are some Scientologists, notable celebrities. Yeah. So how this relates to Operation Snow White. Okay. I'm like, wait, I'm like, where is this going? Yeah. (laughs) I'm connecting it. So Operation Snow White was taking place during the 70s where agents of the Church of Scientology were infiltrating the government systems. 
So they were becoming employed in the IRS, the DEA, and it was usually entry-level jobs like a transcriber or receptionist or things like that. Mm -hmm. And the main goal was to get into these places because the government was very anti-Scientology because of the things that we had talked about. So they were trying to essentially control the narrative from the inside. Mm -hmm. So one of the big things that the IRS, they have been denied giving tax breaks because they're they're not a real religion sorry i know you love l ron hubbard you have his book (laughs) (laughs) but they were officially declared a religion not not at this point they were after and they did get a tax break eventually but at Mm. this point they still weren't really recognized as you know as like christianity would be so like a yeah. church or a synagogue or a temple you know they don't have to pay taxes and that sort of thing yeah and which is amounted to like billions of dollars so it's a big deal right and l ron hubbard was all about that queen <laughs> so and not only that but there was a lot of smack talk about scientology too so he wanted to control the narrative he mm-hmm. wanted to get in and essentially get what he wanted by infiltrating the <laughs> the u.s government even extended to Canada as well. Mm-hmm. So there were some in Canada. So the Operation Snow White was pretty much him orchestrating all of these devout Scientologists to get these government jobs. And what they would do was they would make copies of classified documents, overhear things, report back, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And in July of 1977, the FBI organized a raid for all these Scientology locations because again they just they were popping up everywhere yes the the government just did not trust Scientology and that's when they uncovered all of these documents and all these agents supposedly that were infiltrating and reporting back this is like that one case where that guy put his mom's head in the pot and he just left the crime scene like literally how he did it and he wrote his manifesto and everything and then the FBI just took it and we're like oh this is who did it. This is exactly what he wanted to do. This is exactly what happened. It's almost the same thing like what Scientology did. They just had all these documents like, oh yeah, Billy Bob, you're going to go work for the FBI. So <laughs> you're going there. <laughs> That's how it was. It was so easy to uncover the, the drama. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And even it got his wife arrested and she served jail time. But L. Ron Hubbard, he was like, bye, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and he spent his life in hiding so that he never had to go to jail. Yeah. So it, well, in 1979 is when she was indicted. But yeah, so a lot of people just have this conspiracy theories about Scientology infiltrating and doing all this. And it turned out that they actually did do that in the 70s. <laughs> so, and I'm not sure why he called it Operation Snow White. Yeah, I always thought you were going in a direction of like Operation Snowden or something. That movie with oh. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, <laughs> Well, and like some of the the agents were called like sleepy and dopey and like oh maybe that's why. But I'm not sure how that relates to it. Leave your theories down below. (laughs) Yes, I mean if you guys want us to ever dive into Scientology deep, there is a lot to unpack there. I mean it's like a lot. There's so much to it. If people speak out about it, then they like stalk them and like try to ruin their lives and shit. So you gotta be careful. They don't stalk you. They go to your best friends from fifth grade and they target them. And then they go to your neighbors and 
and then they go to distant relatives, then all of your family, and then they start contacting you and they're like, why are we being harassed by Scientology? So it's like a very orchestrated and strategic method of destroying your life without actually doing it at you. <laughs> Damn. Which, I mean, I appreciate the, the, the strategy involved, but it's kind of fucked. Honestly. They're cutthroat. Yeah, they are. They're scary. <laughs> That's why I'm scared to talk about them because you never know. Like, they could show up at the doorstep. Well, if we don't have an episode next week, y'all know what happened to us. <laughs> this little segment just yeah. ruined our lives. <laughs> oh. But I'll be like, I bought, I got his, I got his book. You can't, you can't target me. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it'll just be me. <laughs> Which we thrifted it, so. <laughs> oh, I feel like I want to read it just out of curiosity. Oh my God, yeah. Patrick started reading it and he was like, oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was so fucked up, he couldn't even read it anymore. Oh, oh, I'm so tempted now. I know. <laughs> and we were like, oh my God, because you know how they talk about it? And they're like, oh my God, these books are so expensive. We looked this one up on eBay and it was like 10 bucks. So oh. it must be like an older, older version or not like a part of like the complete set that you got to get to be actual Scientologist. Mm-hmm. Okay, is that all you have for that one? Yes. Okay, so my next one is called Project Sunshine. Oh. <laughs> now, it's not as butterfly and rainbows as it sounds. So this one dates back to the early 50s, which it seems like a lot of things go back to the early 50s in these mm-hmm. conspiracies <laughs> that get dug up over time. Now, this was back in the time of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, which were the nuclear bombs that the U.S. dropped. And now, after these bombs were dropped, scientists and other researchers were curious about the side effects of radiation that had on the body because I mean uh, people were getting three eyes like after this COVID vaccine (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, yeah (laughs) I'll never stop about that (laughs) yeah with third eyes coming in next week (laughs) yes so it was basically based around the U.S. receiving shipments that were under top secret conditions of stillborn babies from European and Australian countries that were being brought into the United States to be tested for their nuclear and like radioactive contaminants which is really fucked up (laughs) yeah definitely not sunshine basically just bringing stillborn dead babies from other european countries into the united states basically these babies were being brought over without the consent of the mothers or the fathers they were not taking the entire baby they were taking parts of the baby they were taking limbs of the baby oh fuck and they were saying that they were taking parts and pieces of the babies because scientists were concerned that skeletons were absorbing the radioactive materials into their bodies and they were more concerned about children because since their bones were still growing and maturing that their bones would be able to absorb the radioactive materials more which i was also thinking at this time because i'm like there was one bomb that went off you know why are we testing for radioactive materials in the united states but i did read that the united states and the Soviet Union were testing weekly, were conducting weekly tests of nuclear weapons. So when they were testing these weapons, nuclear and radioactive materials were going into the atmosphere and possibly being absorbed into um, adults and children and skeletons. So you don't want to be downwind. 
<laughs> I guess not. I'm sure the real estate in those areas is probably very cheap. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> and then also I was questioning, I was like, why is this called Project Sunshine? I was like, that's such a fucked up name for something so fucked up. But they were saying that they thought, which I thought this is stupid. This was a stupid name. They thought the radioactive fallout from these nuclear weapons and testings and bombs was so abundant that it was almost as abundant as sunshine. So that's why they called it Project Sunshine. Okay, what about a cloudy day? Yeah. (laughs) So I thought that was stupid. Okay, so they studied on more than 1,500 dead babies that were gathered from other European countries. The best way that they found to measure the radioactivity and concentration in these dead baby limbs was to cremate the remains and analyze the resulting ash with very sensitive radioactive techniques. This study and research was conducted by the U.S. Department of Energy, which I don't know who's running that cabinet position now, but (laughs) it was once very shady back in the 50s. (laughs) And they also had a collab with the UK Energy Atomic Inert Authority. Now, we get a little quote from a British mother who had a stillborn baby whose legs were removed by British hospital doctors in 1957 and said that she was forbidden to dress her daughter for her funeral to prevent her from finding out what had happened. So they're preventing her from ever seeing her stillborn baby because they ripped the fucking legs off it. And That's so heartless. We get a quote from the mother that said, I asked if I could put her christening robe on her, but I wasn't allowed to, and that upset me terribly because she wasn't christened. She said that no one had asked me about doing the things that they did, like taking the bits and pieces from her. So I'm I mean, basically just proving that she didn't sign no fucking consent to have her baby's limbs being taken from her and being shipped under secret conditions to the United States to be tested for radioactivity. Jesus. Yeah. So things started coming to light and findings from the U.S. Department of Energy, like anything else that we've talked about, files in a filing cabinet showing testings in data and results from this. And in 1995, Bill Clinton released classified documents, Atomic Energy Commission. Literally, there's a commission for everything. Like, (laughs) And it was proving that scientists were working on Project Sunshine, and they were all aware of where the bodies were coming from. So everybody who was a part of this commission knew what was going on. How can you feel okay about that? Right? But it's sad that this happened in the 50s. I'm pretty sure like Bill Clinton like gave like an apology and everything, but it's like, this went on for this was hidden for like 50 years people had no idea what was going on and all the while these scientists and researchers knew what was happening but you know what i guess today we can be happy that we know the long-term effects of radioactivity on children (laughs) yeah yeah, well in a perfect world we wouldn't be dropping nukes but (laughs) right I still can't believe, I can't even fathom what that would have been like at that time. Like, could you imagine we just dropped a nuke on another country and possibly that could happen to us? Mm-hmm. That must be so fucking scary. I and living imagine. in fear and... Yeah. I mean, that's why we can never laugh at people who live in, like, apocalyptic cellars or who are, like, what do they call them? Preppers. Oh, yeah. Doomsday preppers. Doomsday preppers. Like, how can you even laugh at that when we literally dropped two nukes? This isn't Call of Duty. That literally <laughs> happened. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, I can never laugh at them, even though it's like, I cannot live like that because, like, what are you living for at that point? But My anxiety like, would be through the roof. Yeah, it's like, they must be very anxious people mm-hmm. with a lot of Zoloft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so that's all I had for that one, Miss mm-hmm. Project Sunshine. So, my next one is another operation. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, these. It's like some military operation. Well, it was. 
Oh my god! Well, you'll see. So <laughs> I'm going to be talking about Operation Northwoods, which again Is that from your part of town, Northwoods. <laughs> yeah, up north, open Northwoods. <laughs> again, I'm not sure where this name came from. I guess I there was some crazy conspiracies, and this was in the 50s and 60s that because we were in turmoil with Cuba in Fidel Castro, and we had the nukes pointing at each other and all that good stuff is this the cuban missile crisis it's kind of like an offshoot of it okay so that's a cute um, word for it an offshoot <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of conspiracies going on and this conspiracy was brought up and people thought it was crazy but then of course it got confirmed so operation north woods was set in 1962 and the cia planned to stage terrorist attacks on american citizens and military oh. targets in miami and washington to blame it on Cuba. So they wanted to get the American public behind the war on Cuba and get people all fired up and everything. Oh my god. Fidel Castro was a communist so there was that all that red scare, communist scare going on. Yeah. And so they wanted to get the public on board because I feel like a lot of people weren't because they were like this is unnecessary you're putting us in danger Mm -hmm. all this stuff but they were thinking oh if we pose them as hurting the American people then we'll get public approval and we'll go ahead and we'll crush Cuba and everything so this plan was going to be attacking innocent people blowing up refugee ships attacking soldiers hijacking planes what year was this again? 62 1962 oh my god and I'm trying to think about who was president you know oh yeah I'm gonna get to that (gasps) okay perfect (laughs) um (laughs) and planning phony evidence to implicate the government so we think about today how many times we've had conspiracies of what do people call it a false flag or something uh yeah I think so and about oh this was all staged this wasn't real but well after hearing this we're just supposed to sit here and believe (laughs) 9-11 uh oh oh we get we get real conspiratorial well that's right. what some people have said that you know the the meme bush did 9-11 so that we could go to war with iraq exactly um so and then it was actually of... bombs that blew up the building and uh and i saw this thing recently where it was like the first time ever in history that fire ever brought down a steel building or something like it melted steel because it was so hot oh i remember hearing that maybe yeah. we should do an episode 9-11 <laughs> i know like shit like i'm starting to be like did this actually happen or um, why are we in silence on 9-11 Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh well this is gonna fuel even more conspiracies yeah so the person that was president at the time was jfk mm-hmm. you know my opinion on the kennedys they sold their souls to the devil for power and money <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Well, my thinking is, so JFK was like, thank God that he was in power because he said, fuck no, we ain't doing that. Yeah. So the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Security of Defense, who was Robert McNamara at the time, he was like, uh, JFK, like, this is such a good idea. <laughs> and he's like, no, we're not killing the American people, you idiot. <laughs> This is ridiculous. And guess what happened to JFK? He was mysteriously assassinated. So hmm. I'm thinking it was retaliation against not letting the CIA do their little Operation Northwoods. And yeah, there's a huge conspiracy behind JFK. I mean, that's one of the biggest behind John Bonet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. JFK is, is one of my favorites. I definitely believe it was not Harvey Lee Oswald. I think it was the CIA. Yeah, so maybe JFK is another good one. We're always like a class 
classic that's gonna take us a week to research <laughs> i know there's so many layers yeah but yeah so that is operation northwoods never happened thanks to jfk john f kennedy mm-hmm. well let me see where that got him maybe he should just went through with it <laughs> i mean we weren't alive at the time so it been fine. honestly yeah would have saved his <laughs> life and his entire family's <laughs> well i thought they all sold their soul to the devil so it's fine. yeah but they're all dropping dead well i think they sacrificed the soul of their sister and then kept her in the attic is that what they did to her or something what i don't know this one the lost kennedy sister oh my god i don't know about that oh my god we have we have so so many things are coming up Oh, what was her name? Rosemary, I think. I know the one, like a girl recently, she, she committed suicide. Oh, I don't know about that one. There was one, I think it was John F. Kennedy's sister. She was like mentally handicapped. Yes. And they like kept her in an attic and like gave her a lobotomy and shit. And they like <gasps> fucked her up. <sighs> Oh my god. But they kept her as a dirty secret because she ruined their perfect image. I think we should do a JFK series, but just all of the members that have passed away in the conspiracy behind the devil. <laughs> oh, and one of the Kennedys dated Taylor Swift, so. <gasps> oh my god. That young one, because she was like 25 and he was like 19 or something. Okay, so let's move on to my final one, which yes. Megan was questioning. Yeah. <laughs> it is the Tuskegee Experiment. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say that three times fast? <laughs> Tuskegee, Tuskegee, Tuskegee. Try me, bitch. <laughs> okay. So, again, I don't know why, but I just love my early, early, early 1900s. <laughs> Since when? <laughs> Since we've been doing these last two podcasts. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, the Tuskegee experiments began in the 1932s. Um <laughs> All, how many 1932s were there? <gasps> okay, so the Tuskegee experiments started in the early 1930s, specifically okay. the 1932 era. Okay, close enough. <laughs> Good enough. It was a experiment where they recruited 600 African men in Macon County, Alabama, and the study was aimed at studying the full progression of syphilis and the people who were a part of the study, the participants, the 600 African men, were all promised free medical care. This study was conducted by the U.S. Public Health Service. So once again, a government-sanctioned department was overseeing the research of this long-term study of syphilis in African-American men, which they say it was based on African-American men, but I formally believe it was just the early 1930s. It was a little racist, and it was like, these African-American men are less valued, so let's give them a huge promise of free medical care and inject them with syphilis <laughs> it's, it's a hard truth but you're probably right Absolutely. Yeah. now i did a little research because going further into this there was confirmation that penicillin was the recommended treatment for syphilis and penicillin came to light in 1928 so it came to light four years prior to the actual study of, of syphilis so at that point i'm like why so why are they testing for it but then i get the understanding that they were testing for it to see the long-term effects of syphilis on the body. The participants in this study, most of them have never seen a doctor before, and most of them were sharecroppers who worked on farms. And I was like, so slaves? But I guess sharecroppers are not slaves. I don't know. I 
guess they like rent out their land and share their crops. I guess that makes sense. But basically, these people never have seen a doctor in their life. They lived on a farm and they were promised free medical care. They basically just be participants in the study for syphilis, which was still at the time pretty new disease. Wasn't really too much research being done on it. So this was one of the biggest researches conducted on syphilis. 399 men, part of the study, already had syphilis to begin with. And there was also a control group of 201 men who were free of the disease and were treated for bad blood diseases. It was a common thing back in that time. The men were monitored by health physicians and they were only given placebos like aspirin throughout the treatment. So these men thought they were being given like actual medication to cure their syphilis, but really they were giving like aspirin and other like natural minerals to cure their syphilis. But in reality, the U.S. Department of Health was really trying to see the long-term effects of syphilis in the body. (laughs) So they had no intention of curing them. Exactly. And that's where a really big thing comes out of this, where it comes with... With informed consent. So informed consent was a big thing that came out of this because these men had no idea what was actually going on. Now again, in 1947, we learned that penicillin was the recommended treatment for syphilis. And this was already 15 years into the study that have been given syphilis and have been given no medical treatment to cure their syphilis. So for 15 years, they've been living with it. All while, there's been a recommended treatment to cure syphilis. And at this time, penicillin was like, hey, give these people penicillin because it will give them treatment. It will make them cure from syphilis. The public health service convinced local physicians in Macon County, Alabama, not to treat participants because they wanted to know the long-term effects of syphilis. Basically, they provided no effective care for these men. They waited until they died. Many of them became blind or basically they became insane or had other health-related issues along with their syphilis. Now, in in the 1960s, we see, so this is almost like 28 years later, that a investigator of the Public Health Services Department, Peter Buxton, says he discovered that what they were doing was unethical and he brought it to light. And basically, when he brought it to light, the Public Health Service was like, ha, 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 like, he, 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 like, we want to continue doing our investigation and research. And they said they wanted to wait until everybody had died so they can do autopsies of all the bodies to get the full data from their long-term research. (laughs) Oh my god, so even when they were confronted, they were like, no, but wait. (laughs) Yeah, so then at that time, Buxton was like, well, if you guys aren't going to fucking listen and see that this is pretty fucked up and this is unethical, he leaked the story to a reporter and basically once the story caught wind of the American people and everybody knew what was going on. In 1972, the study became known to the American public and it was finally shut down. But by that time, 28 of those men had died of syphilis, 100 more passed away from a related complication, and at least 40 spouses contracted the disease from their men getting the syphilis, and 19 children had syphilis passed along to them from their mothers giving birth. Now, in 1973, so only a year later, the survivors and the families received a $10 million lawsuit settlement from this unethical research practice, and then in 1997, 
once again, Bill Clinton issued an apology. Like, I don't know why he's apologizing. Like, <laughs> he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> right? Like, you're just a white guy apologizing for sh- racial shit that happened in the 30s. Once the court documents and everything, the $10 million in the settlement, the participants and the participants' families all got free medical care for life. So I guess that's a good thing that came out of it. Like, they were set for life. Like, y'all went through this shit, so we're going to help you out. That's pretty understandable. And the final participant finally passed away in 2004. So... Oh my god, that is a lot. lot to take in. Right? But it just goes to show, like, you know, like in the 30s, like we were still pretty racist and we were still pretty fucked up, giving people placebos and telling them that we're going to cure your syphilis, but really we're not and we're testing for the long term effects. Right now, I want to give a huge shout out to those 600 men who gave us their life to give us the data to know the long term effects of syphilis today. Well, and I feel like the long term effects, it was death. Like, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> I could have sussed that out. Well, and people that weren't infected, infecting them. I feel like it's one, I mean, it's still not right to say, oh, we're going to cure you and not, but it's a whole nother thing to give someone it that never asked for it. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it is so fucked up. Once again, they were targeting people who were already marginalized, you know, African men in the thirties who were sharecroppers. They don't really have much going for them, honestly. Just telling them how it is. And, you know, they came to them and were like, if you do this study, we'll give you free medical care throughout the entire lifetime of it. And they never got it because the public health service wanted to test for long-term effects and that's what they were going to do. Now, which I also read a big thing, which is why today many African-Americans are very skeptical of the United States Health Department. They're skeptical of any research that they do and they're very skeptical of vaccines, which I would be too if fucking my race was being targeted and researched and lied to in the early 30s by our own government, which is again why. We don't trust the government around here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It wasn't like some rogue, crazy group. It was the government that's supposed to protect you. Like Exactly, yeah. And, you know, they kind of spin it off like, well, we're doing this for you, the American people, because we're testing for the long-term effect. This could be knowledgeable information to help you, but it's like you're literally targeting a certain race. You don't have a diverse grouping of participants here. It's all right, one it's color like, of people, you know? It's like, I don't want your data if it's dirty data. Because it's like the data is going to be the same if it was white people. So what are you doing, United States? Get it together. Being racist. So I guess we can thank Bill Clinton once again. (laughs) Like, what else did he do in his presidency besides issue apologies for fucked up shit that happened in the early fucking Mm -hmm. years of the 1900s? (laughs) Well, it really doesn't mean anything coming from him because he wasn't involved in it. I know. An apology doesn't fix it. Do any of these survivors or families of the survivors really take it to heart that, I guess it is powerful that he's acknowledging it but it's mm-hmm. like what are you apologizing for you didn't do it right i feel like an acknowledgement is better than sorry yeah like uh, sorry like we don't <laughs> care you're fucking white <laughs> i feel like all he did his presence he was apologize <laughs> he did a lot of that at the end yeah on his knees apologizing <laughs> <laughs> He honestly probably did. A lot of slut shaming. Mm-hmm. So that's it with my Tuskegee experiment. What's your final one? Mine is not very long. So it's this little man that not many people know called Shut the up. Dalai Lama. Oh. <laughs> it was a joke. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Everyone knows the Dalai Lama. Yes. I honestly don't know what the fuck he does. Is he like a monk? Yeah, he was no violence. He's turned to for advice and knowledge. And he is Chinese, Tibetan. And his religion believes in reincarnation. So he's like the reincarnation of many different iterations of this kind of spiritual leader, guider. Yeah. And so it's like Scientology. <laughs> I don't think it's that. Um, well, because in Scientology, they say you never pass on. You cross the bridge to another life, and you never die. You give up your life to go across the bridge. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. So he's <laughs> so he's Buddhist. You're like, it's really not that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. So he's Buddhist, and I think the the one that most people know is the one that everyone thinks of. Oh, it's the same guy? Like, I'm thinking of him right now as the same one. Well, that's like the title that you take, oh. you know? Like, when you become Pope, you get, like, a different name, you know? Yeah. So, the one that we think of is the one that I'm talking about. Okay. I can see his face right now. Yeah. Okay, so he's the 14th Dalai Lama. Oh, gosh, I cannot pronounce this. Uh, His real name is Yamo Thondop, maybe? No disrespect. Yeah, good enough. And so, he's 85 years old. He's still alive, the one we all think of. And he was really involved in the Tibetan resistance. So, the Tibetan uprising rebellion, it was in 1959. And it was getting independence from China and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was a huge proponent of that, fighting for people's rights and, and everything. And some declassified documents mm-hmm. turned out he earned $180,000, which is a lot in the freaking 1959, the 60s. Yeah. The CIA paid him that to kind of spearhead the Tibetan resistance. And mm-hmm. so the whole point of it was to disrupt the infrastructure of China. So America was like, hey, this will really fuck with China if Tibet gets independent, so let's do it. The Dalai Lama, I don't know if he did it for the money. I don't think he did because that would be so against his religion. But I think maybe it was like a little like sweetener on top of the cake, you know, to be paid, but also fight for people and their rights and Mm -hmm. stuff. Basically to use like his notoriety. But so essentially everyone thought he was like, oh, a CIA agent and which is not really true but he was he wasn't like hired by the CIA he wasn't like a member of the CIA he was just his work was funded by the CIA and he got a salary from it supposed to be like oh you know we don't live without we can live without material things we don't need one with with the world and everything but at the end of the day money does buy a lot of good stuff it does buy good things so he took that coin that's kind of fucked up so it's like majority of these conspiracies that we have talked about in the past two episodes deal with the federal government, the CIA, the FBI, at least one of those departments. So why do we keep funding them? Why do we keep trusting them? Mm-hmm. Where we claim, oh, well, the FBI did extensive background research when literally the FBI is colluding with so many countries and bribing the Dalai Lama with money, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, why are we using this their word as correctness for something that happened, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't so know. So I say nobody pay your taxes anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> nobody pay your taxes. We're all libertarians and we're going to just govern our own bodies ourselves. Yep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Figured it out. <laughs> well, except for if they're doing research to find aliens, I'll fund that. That's it. Yes. Oh my God. Remember you were talking about how your taxpayer 
money is going to alien research. Mm-hmm. June first mm-hmm. has not come yet. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we gotta give like an update on that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If there's anything interesting, if not, then I'll just say it in my little blurb in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. That that's all she wrote. All right, guys. That is all we have for today's episode. We really hope you guys enjoyed this new kind of series we kind of been starting. Like, or really like to do another one of these, but it's like I don't know how much more we can find. Honestly, not many conspiracies come true these days. <laughs> or we just don't know it yet. <laughs> yeah. Or like maybe in like a next year or so, we'll have like more confirmed conspiracy theories but for now we're going to leave you guys with these 12 and we just really hope that you guys have been enjoying the content that we've been putting out these last two weeks yeah so if you want to follow us on our social media instagram it's crime on tap pod and leave a review we're on apple spotify and whatever else (laughs) just like google it yeah just google us you'll find us somewhere yeah anything else (laughs) find out and that's all we have for today and Mm -hmm. i guess we'll see you guys next week with another podcast we'll see you guys next time where where crime crime is is always always on on tap tap. (laughs) 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 